Good morning. Today I want to talk about following Jesus to the long haul. What's it mean to follow Jesus for the long haul? I like my microwave because I can cook stuff right now. I get a little frustrated when I have to wait two minutes, 30 seconds even. I just, I want it now. But the microwave can cook it quicker. But there is no nuke option for our spiritual development. You got to put it in the slow cooker. That's what Jesus does. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Good morning, I'm Pastor Adam. It's so good to be in the house with so many of you. I want to welcome everyone worshiping with us online, uh, both right now live and after the fact. You guys rock, there's so many of you. Um, and uh, hello to those in the Unity Hall, and hello to those that are in assisted living communities throughout our county. Uh, we're so glad to come to, to so many of you already, and we want to come to more. Uh, we love you all. If you're in the house, would you put your hands together and welcome everybody else just for a second. <laughs> we love you. I also want to just take a second to honor our online team that make all this possible. We have, you know, there's some that you see, the camera people. There's also people that you don't see in another room right now working on a special audio mix just for those, that group, and a video mix just, just for, those, for that group, and that gets recorded. It gets broadcast live. It gets duplicated and carried out to other places. Um, and right now, live, we also have an online team that Pastor Todd's leading, um, of people that are in the chat, making sure everyone that comes to our church in any way, their first experience with our church is one where they still get to be greeted and there's still someone that can meet them one-on-one -on -one and uh, help them take their next spiritual step. And I just want to honor um, the broadcast and online teams uh, this morning as well. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, I'm, a, I'm a soccer dad, just, just by virtue of my kids play some soccer. And uh, I'm a loud soccer dad. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the guy that's like, yeah, do better. I don't do that. I just, I just encourage everybody. I'm just loud. Come on. Yeah, you can do it. I clap for both goals. It doesn't matter. So there was a, my son now, he's, he's like in the next, the next league up, the next age group up. And um, he's out there and he was playing defense. And so he's standing there like ready to go playing defense. And it, like the ball was not in motion yet. They were like waiting for the third quarter to start. And he was there, and I said, hey, Caleb. And he kind of looked over. And I said, put your right foot in. And he goes, and I said, put your right foot out. And he went, no, 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 put your right foot back in. And he goes, now shake it. And at this point, it's, Today, we're talking about following Jesus. Why? Because that's what it's all about. We follow Jesus because it's how we live. It's a way of life. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm the vine, y'all the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So following Jesus is a connection with Jesus. Without him, we can't do anything productive in the world around it. Following Jesus is truly what it's all about. We need to live in the vine and follow Jesus. If you are going to change the world, if that was like something you set out to do, I'm going to change the world, you'd get a team of people to change the world. You're not going to change the world without a team. And, and you would probably get the greatest minds on the planet. People like uh, Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Colin Powell, Albert Einstein, 
Wolfgang, Amadeus, Mozart, Aristotle. You'd get people like that. You'd be like, all right, I got my crack team. Now we're going to change the world. If you're any, any smart and reasonable person would, would do that. That's not at all what Jesus did. He's, I'm not saying he's dumb. I'm saying he's just beyond smart and he's like God. That's not at all what Jesus did. His plan was incredibly different. He picked dudes that were sketchy. Like, like Matthew, a tax collector. You see, in those times, in Bible times, a tax collector was, um, he had unethical business practices. If he had to collect like a quarter, he'd be like, well, I'm supposed to collect 50 cents. And he'd take more than he was supposed to. So unethical practices. Um, and then they, they, and any tax collector was collecting tax for the Rome, Roman Empire, which was the oppressive, intrusive, domineering government of the time. So like, yeah, you stink. And then uh, if you were a Jew that served as a tax collector, the Jews would see you as a traitor. That describes Matthew. And what happens? Matthew 9, chapter 9, Jesus went on from there. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Listen, if you're, if you're working with an oppressive group, or if you're uh, seen as a traitor, if you're a betrayer, if you're an adulterer, if you're a liar, there's hope for you. Jesus still looks at you and says, come follow me. And you, you can respond like Matthew does and just get up and follow him. You could do that. We're going to follow him. That's what it's all about. He picked dudes that were sketchy. He also picked dudes that were average and normal. Just like really average and normal. Matthew chapter 4 says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of people. Isn't that great? Like, I'll, I'll change who you are. Following me can become your identity. It's not just what you do, it's who you are. Following Jesus changes who you are. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. So maybe you're following Jesus, and like, or you think you are. You're doing the right stuff every week. You're, you're doing good stuff every week. You know, you're showing up. That's good but you still might not consider yourself somebody like Aristotle, one of the greatest minds in the world. You may just be average. Listen, Andrew and Peter were just like average. They were average. They just fished so their community could have the things they need. They just did a normal job to fit into their society, to help their society. They just provided food. So today we could see that as like farmers, Factory floor worker. Nothing wrong with it. But probably not running for president next week. And that's who Jesus picked. Not Elon Musk, not Bill Gates, not Warren Buffett, but his best disciples were average and normal. Jesus' strategy was to grab sketchy and normal dudes that didn't really show a high degree of promise and take them on a journey of a lifetime. And those dudes established the culture of the kingdom so well that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about them. Andrew and Peter would have just disappeared into, into history. They probably wouldn't have even, even had their names written on any documents that stayed if it hadn't been for the long journey that Jesus took them on. So that's the name of this message today. Follow me to the long 
journey. He would rather do that than pick amazing people. So he picked sub-amazing people like us. And if we go on the long journey, he can do something extraordinary with us. Listen, following Jesus is a process. You can, I mean, believing is an instant. I believe in an instant. I can make a decision to not sin in an instant. But I'm going to follow Jesus, and following Jesus is not something I do once and be done. It's a process. A long-haul process. I find this somewhat frustrating. I also find it exciting. It's frustrating because I like microwave spirituality. I wish, I wish it was that way. You know, pray two minutes, 30 seconds on power level seven, and ding! Here's your miracle. Like, that'd be great if it worked that way. But it's never worked that way for me. It's also exciting because that means if God can use people like Matthew or Andrew and Peter, that means he can use somebody like me. That means he can use somebody like you. So I find that a little exciting. I mean, let's just dig into Peter for a second. Consider, consider Peter. His journey was so marked by the idea of a process, Jesus changed his name. He started out Simon, which means flat nose. I just got to like feel bad for Simon for just for a minute. Can we just lament? Like, what kind of parents would have a baby and then be like, what do you want to name him? Smushed nose, maybe? I don't know. But, but in the original time, that's what it means. Smushed nose. And Jesus changed his name from flat nose to the rock, Peter. There was such a change that happened in him. Why? Because Peter got on the long-haul journey. A lot of Peter's life didn't look like anything that was special. In fact, if I was Jesus, I'd probably be embarrassed a little bit of, of Peter, specifically. I mean, Peter tried to turn children away from Jesus. And Jesus had to be like, dude, mm-mm, not how it works. Get the kids here. That's that. Come on, Peter. At one point, even Jesus called Peter Satan. Because Peter was not thinking like the kingdom. He was thinking in his own world instead of in the kingdom. So he even called him Satan. Peter couldn't stay awake and pray with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In fact, when Jesus needed him most, Peter was AWOL. Denied Jesus three times. I'd be embarrassed if I was Jesus. But God had been working in Peter's life that whole time. And he was patient. And after coming back to life, Jesus came to Peter... And reinstated him. And then, and then Peter says, well, what about the other disciples? And, and Jesus says, what's it to you what I do with the other disciples? You follow me. And follow him, he did. We see in the book of Acts, chapter 2, there was an opportunity uh, where a bunch of people were looking at these Christians who just had this amazing experience of encountering the Holy Spirit. And Peter took the opportunity. He's like, well, this is my chance. And he stepped up and he preached, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Like, that's a big group. That's a big group. Who did that? The same flat nose Simon did that. The, the guy that says Jesus will, will keep the kids away from Jesus, he's the one that did that. The guy that Jesus called Satan, the guy that denied Jesus three times, he preached, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. What happened? That was a process. That process involved some failures and awareness along the way. 
It was a process for Peter. And you know what? It's a process for you too. Your life is going to have some failures in it. But hang on tight. You can still do something amazing for God. I love the way Pastor Todd says it. Following Jesus isn't all sunshine and fluffy bunnies. Did I get that right? Or you (laughs) stepped up? Following Jesus isn't all sunshine and fluffy bunnies. God does great things. Great things come. But they don't always come like you think, and they don't always come when you think they should. I mean, if you think, if, if your faith is limited to God doing what you want the way you, you think he should? Like, what kind of faith is that? You think, you think God fits into your imagination. That's very small faith. My faith is big enough to believe God can still cause great things to come out of it, even when I don't see it at all. Check this out. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good. Don't become weary in following Jesus. Don't be weary in doing the same stuff, the right stuff, over the long haul. Don't become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, right there it is, process. There's the long haul. There's a process involved. At the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. So this morning, I'd like to share some tips on following Jesus in the long journey. Following Jesus along the process. So so here are three commitments that I think we need to make. We need to make these three commitments if we're going to follow Jesus on the long haul. Here's the first commitment. Number one, be humble and teachable. Be humble and teachable. Because following Jesus requires humility. Yes. You, know, you, can't, learn, you can't learn anything without, without humility, can you? It's like a, when I try to teach my kids how to tie their shoes, this, it keeps happening. It's like, here, let, let me show you. You take the two, and it's, no, 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 I got it. I don't know why you think you got it. Nobody has ever shown you. Unless you, you were, like, unless you were like, like the first person that learned how to tie a shoe, somebody showed you. Flip it around, around, and pop. I got this. Let me try. And then my kids sit there with the shoelaces. And... Fine. See, what it is, they had, they, had, they had to have a failure. Realize that doing this doesn't tie a knot. And then they're like, oh, fine, show me. Okay, I'll show you. So... They were proud, failed, that allowed them to reach a point of humility and teachability. Okay, show me, show me. Wouldn't it be better if like, we didn't have to fail? If we just started humble? Like, you know, maybe there's something you know about tying that I don't since I've never done it. So if you want to follow Jesus, let's start with humility and teachability. This is tough. I feel like it's becoming tougher because pride is celebrated in much of our culture today. It's honored, celebrated. You told him. Pride is rampant. However, God celebrates humility. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, uh, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up. When? When the time's right. In the long haul, he'll lift you up. In the process, humility is trusting Jesus even when we don't understand. Here's the thing. Nothing is guaranteeing you an easy life. There's no such thing as an easy, easy life. I want an easy life. I, 
you've had a fully easy life, I don't really, I mean, did you accomplish anything? To avoid everything would be the only way to have a totally easy life. No such thing as an easy life. Hard stuff is going to happen. But God uses the hard stuff yes. to grow us if we let him. Yes. We have to be humble and teachable. We have to come to a point of realizing we need God's help. So the deal is we, we should expect hardships. We should expect trials. Not, oh, what did I do? I deserve that. You're following Jesus. You're going to have trouble. Jesus promises it. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world, he said. So we need to turn our, why are you doing this to me, around to, what are you doing in me? We can see the trials and hardships as God's punishment to us or God's development in us. Following Jesus for the long haul requires humility and teachability. Well, I don't think that's very right, Pastor Adam. I just wish he'd be nicer. Let me give you some encouragement. Can I give you encouragement? This is encouragement from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Yeah. I'm going to encourage you. And have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement? This is encouragement. This word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. What an encouraging word. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he... Chastens everyone he accepts as son. So endure hardship as, as discipline. God's treating you like his children. Yes. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Good parents know they just don't let their kids do anything they feel like. There's certain guidelines, certain consequences. And why would we think that God wouldn't need to treat us like that sometime if we're his children? And just like my kids, when I'm teaching them to tie a shoe, we can do this. I got this! I got this! Okay? But the quicker you're humble, and the quicker you can, in humility and teachability, run back to God and say, okay, here's everything I got. It's the best I could do. The quicker you'll learn your next lesson that God has for you and continue to follow him. Here's the second commitment we need to make if we're going to follow Jesus for the long haul. The second commitment is this. Be patient. We need to lay down our microwave Christianity. It's not how it works. We need to be a little more patient. We like to get things now, don't we? You know, um, I've seen not just young people, but like some baby boomers and older use a phone. And I've even, this is a common common thing. Maybe you've said this. <clears throat> I don't know why it's taken so long. As Jim, J Jim Gaffigan says, it's sending a message through space. Give it a minute. Just give them a minute. Sometimes things just take a minute. I wonder if we have Thanksgiving dinner expectations, but a microwave time frame. When it done. Where is it? I expected an opportunity. I expected this relationship to be different. I expected to have this promotion. I expected to have this status, but I don't have it. Be patient. I, I started tithing last week, but I still have trouble paying my bills. Or I started tithing last month, but I'm not rich yet. 
started following Jesus, but things are still hard. I'm having a hard time. I thought following Jesus was supposed to be easy. It's, it's better, not easy. It's better. You can do it with other people. And God, you'll never be alone again if you follow Jesus. I'm coming to church now, but my, my marriage is still a little rocky. Hang in there. Be, be patient. Give it a decade. Patience doesn't mean to sit idly by. Patience, godly patience, means to, to keep doing the right things even when you don't see it. Even when you don't see the result immediately. Compound interest doesn't help me much the first time I start saving. I do compound interest in, in February and in March. Oh, I'm just done. This didn't work. That's not how it works. I didn't pull my kid out of school the first, after they couldn't read after a month. Like, kids don't learn how to read in one month of preschool. It doesn't work. I didn't stop reading my Bible once I came across one boring chapter. I didn't put my kids up for adoption after I fed them oatmeal and they were still a kid the next day. Like, you feed them and they grow. Be patient. Give it a decade. Give it a chance. How crazy would a farmer be to plant in the spring and come out in June and say, dumb ground. <laughs> I'm going to buy a new field. <laughs> That'd be a broke farmer is what you call that guy. That's a broke farmer. <laughs> he might be able to do it once. He's not doing it twice. And if he does it twice, that's a stupid farmer. Didn't figure it out. God's patience means that we keep doing the right things even when we don't see the result immediately. About 15 years ago, there was a famous song that John Wallen wrote called uh, While I'm Waiting. I'm going to read so Did I say Wallen? Swaller. Sorry. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, Lord. And I'm hopeful. I'm waiting on you, Lord. Though it's painful, but patiently I will wait. Anyone feel pain and you're waiting on God to show up and do something? Maybe you can identify here. But I will move ahead bold and confident, taking every step in obedience. While I'm waiting, I will serve you. While I'm waiting, I will worship. While I'm waiting, I will not faint. I'll be running the race even while I wait. If you're waiting on God, I have two questions. Two questions for you if you're waiting on God. If, you've, if you identify with that idea, it's like, when's God just going to, when's this thing going to break through? When's this? Two questions. Number one, are you comparing your planting season with someone else's harvest season? People don't tell you about their planting season, but they're happy to tell you about their harvest season. Did you hear, hear what God did? Did you hear what God did over here? God's not doing that here. Do you know why God did something there? There was a planting season that they didn't tell you about. Did you know I've, I prayed 10 years before? Did you know I patiently waited and suffered through some things before? And here's my other question. If you're waiting on God, the other question is, what kind of seeds had you been planting? What kind of seeds are you planting now? If you change your ways, but you're not seeing the benefit, 
That might be because you're seeing the benefit of your previous planting season. Be patient. You got to pull up the weeds, especially the weeds that you plant. If you planted them, you're still going to have some popping up. Keep planting good seeds. They're going to come up, but you, the, the old ones don't just disappear. You got you to deal with it. You got to deal, okay, that's a relationship that I, I need not to have that in my life now. Whoops, I forgot about this thing. I'm going to repent. Be careful to keep planting good seeds and be patient. Here's the third, uh, the third commitment we need to make if we're going to follow Jesus over the long haul. Number three is be planted. Yes. Be planted. Psalm 92 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, like a salad, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. When I think of people that are planted, I think of a lot of you, and a lot of you have been in this church for a very long time, years, decades. People like Chris and Sue Clear come to mind. I mean, goodness, you've been serving so faithfully, not just in this building that we've been in since whatever. I was in middle school, 1996. But a couple decades before that, too. You're planted in the house. And guess what? In your old age, you're going to be like a salad. And you're going to say, the Lord is great, and you're still going to be bearing fruit because you're planted in the house. You're planted in the house, and here you are, staying faithful. What would Christianity be like today if every time Jesus said something challenging, the disciples ran to another rabbi? And some of them did. But what if everybody did? I don't like that. I'm going to invite the band to come on up. Church, listen, something happens when we remain planted for the long haul. Something happens when we stay in the house of the Lord over a long period of time, through challenges, while being challenged. Something happens. We grow. We look more and more like Jesus. Our culture does not like this. Our culture disagrees with this. We live in a cancel culture. Um, and it, that's not, as I watch the news, it seems like so, somebody's trying to pit that as a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's not. It's a Satan thing. Yep. And it's, it's in every side. Both sides are doing it. You don't agree with me? Yep. Cut you off. Yep. We're not talking. You're, you're no longer a person in my book. No, no relationship. That cancel culture cannot belong in the church. If we, if we run away every time we see something that looks a little sketchy, we're going to be orphans. Because if you find a perfect church, let me know. And you probably shouldn't go there. You'd ruin it. <laughs> There's no perfect people, right? Every church has, some, has all imperfect people in it. These three commitments we need to follow for the long haul. Be humble and teachable. Be patient and be planted. So here's a question. How do you know if you're on the right track? How do you know if you are following Jesus? 
It's not things are going well. Conventional logic would be like, well, everything's going good in my life. I have good luck. I have good fortune. So I must be doing all the right things. No. No, that is not how you know if you're doing the right stuff. Because there's some people that have some good luck. The rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Here's how you know. You ask yourself this question. Does my life look more like Jesus today than it did two years ago? Think about two years ago. I mean, we can all remember where we were two years ago. You were at your home. (laughs) The pandemic was just beginning. Uh, Does your life look more like Jesus now than it did then? If it doesn't, then I would suggest that you're not following Jesus as closely as you ought to be. In fact, I take a step further. What area of your life, just investigate, what area of your life looks the same as it did two years ago? Are there some areas? Well, like, this is better, but this is the same. Does God want to touch that today? need the whole of our life to look more like Jesus. If we do that, we're going to be living like Jesus. We're going to be thinking like Jesus. We're going to be moving like Jesus, doing what he says with confidence. We're going to be making decisions like Jesus. We're going to be speaking like Jesus. We're even going to think like him if we follow close behind him. Would you stand with me? There's an old Jewish blessing that goes, may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Think about what that means. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. See, when you were traveling, they didn't have pavement. They had dirt roads. So as you would walk, there'd be some dust that would come up. So the idea is, may you be so close to your rabbi that you get covered in his dust. Are you covered in the dust of Jesus? There's another question. Whose dust are you covered in? We're all covered in dust. My prayer for us today is that we would make these commitments to get behind Jesus and be covered in his dust. Not just the parts that people see either. We get covered in his dust. We get so close to him. Everything that's a part of us can be fully committed to him and his purposes. There's a verse in the Bible that talks about this this idea. Psalm 103 It says, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Another way to say my inmost being, all that is within me. All that is, all this. All of this. Praise the Lord, all that is within me. Praise his holy name. Sometimes we've got to look at ourselves. All of this, every part praise God. How does every part praise God? It means I think like him. I want to make decisions like him. I want to move like him. I want to talk like him. I want to stand up like him. And in fact, sometimes that means we die like him. We, we take the parts of our life that need to die and carry those to the cross too. That's what it means to be covered in the dust of our Heavenly Father, that we follow 